much love. When I wake up, well, I know I'm going to be, I'm going to be the man who wakes up next to you. It's episode 21, season three of Ravage Love, and we are back from hiatus. Hi, Julie. Hello, Renee. You know what? I would walk 500 miles. I and I would walk 500 more for you. I thought they were Irish. No, I Googled oh. it. they Scottish. Well, why are we talking about Scotland today, Renee? Oh, I don't know, Julie. Maybe because it's Highlander Day. Hello. This week, we are reading books about Highlanders. Now, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there is no shortage. I mean, how easy was it for you to find a book? Oh, well, I think I told you earlier, I have made the conscious decision to only read books that I own already. Um, and I was like, I have to have a Highlander book. I had two Highlander books just from the random things <laughs> I picked based on their covers. I had two Highlander books. Yeah, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. They're definitely one of the biggest subgenres of romance that I've seen. And from what I could ascertain, the trend started with the old Outlander series, which has mm. since been made into a TV show. There's a musical. There's all these spin-offs, short stories, novellas, the actual series itself. Much to my shock, I didn't know this until I researched it for this week's episode. But the first Outlander book came out in 1991. Really? Yeah. I feel I like it was it, older than that. Oh, see, I didn't think it was that old at all. I thought it was from like the early, because it seemed everywhere right now. Yeah. I just truly believed that it was like in the 2000s. But no, the first book was in 1991. Uh, they're huge books also. They're like hundreds yeah. and hundreds of pages. So I mean, one of the many reasons why people writing off romance is nonsense is like people read 800 page Game of Thrones and they're like, that's literature. But like <laughs> 800 pages of Outlander is still a lot of work. Um, yeah, I have. I, that's actually, I guess I have three Highlander books because I have the Outlander book, but I have like one of the original ones, I guess. But I thought it was from the 80s based on the cover. But no, I guess it's yeah, early and see, 90s. Yeah, and see, I thought I had one of the original. I've never actually. Re- have you read it, Outlander? No. Yeah, I mean, no, because I've been watching the show and it's dark, and I don't. Oh. I don't need that in my life right now. That's fair. I've heard that the TV show is very spicy. Yeah. Uh, so there's that appeal, but yeah, then I was told that there's like a lot of sexual violence. There's like a man who's mm-hmm. sexually assaulted, and you're like. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Oh, yeah, so, it's the main character, and it's graphic. Like, there's mm-hmm. this part where he's, like, crawling away from his abuser, and he's naked, and his ass is just full of dried blood. Oh, my God. Yeah, like, they don't hold back. Um, and I actually wasn't going to watch the show, but I went on a few dates with somebody who was on the show um, as an extra. Okay, excuse yeah. me, what a flex. And also, I know, what like, a name drop, just casual like that. You know, you know. Um, yeah, so I was like, oh, I guess I better watch the show. But they were in the later, later seasons, and I never oh. made it that far. So <laughs> I was like, did they paint the dry blood? Was that their job on the scene? But no, no. they were an extra. Okay. They, they were, were, yeah. Later, later in the show, they um, end up coming to the new world, and they meet a lot of indigenous people. And so um because they were filming in like England and Scotland and stuff they had to bring in indigenous people over there and um the person I went out with was two spirited and they were on the show so that's cool super cool yeah 
yeah, so that's why I got into the show and um is it's like they just can't catch a fucking break on the show. <laughs> well, for folks who don't know, Highlanders <laughs> referred to people from the Scottish Highlands back in the day. So yeah, yeah. life was real rough for these people. Everyone yeah. Yeah, it was very brutish, brutish time in history. And mm-hmm. But it has, you know, now that we're a year plus into really exploring the romance shot, we know that there's so many facets of that time period that are conducive to romance because there's hyper-masculine, you know, warrior men versus like preppy, like monarchy men. So if you're into like any kind of like monarchy stuff, you can get into that side of it. If you like the idea of like a real man's man, you can get Mm -hmm. into that. If the idea of like some thick calves and a kilt speaks to you, you can get into that. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, I totally see why it's taken off in the world of romance. I can totally see the appeal, but um, yeah, if you want to dip your toe in, there is no shortage of places you can take it and you don't have to start with the 800 page outlander. You can try some of the stuff that we found today, including uh, in my case, mine was not on my bookshelf. I had to seek it out, but it literally was just like dealer's choice like there was so many <laughs> is yours uh, i'm excited to get into it but is this yours strictly a highlander book or is it like a highlander cross with like a shifter or a vampire anything no good? again i mean excellent point because i was intentional about that because that's the thing about this particular genre is that it intersects with a lot of shifters mm. a lot of time travel which i blame on outlander because outlander is about time travel um mine i wanted just straight up hot brutish men doing shit in the highlands that's what i was looking for so that's what i found nice do you want to hear about my book i am so ready to hear about your book lay it on me okay well mine was called craving the highlanders touch by michelle willingham uh who writes historical romance in victorian medieval and regency times Fun little fact about her is she wrote her first historical romance at the age of 12. Oh my god. That's Uh, Right? Adorbs. And this particular book was originally published in 2011, and it's part of a larger series called Seduced by Her Highland Warrior. So this was a short one. It was about 50 pages, and it happens in Scotland in 1306. Now, for longtime listeners of the show, you know, I can't pronounce shit for shit. I can't do mm-hmm. accents. So just be patient. <laughs> I think it's Finian Maclor Malak. I think part of it is that because I am like like you, a truly bilingual person my brain sees like oh like i can't anyways so finian (laughs) we're just gonna call him old finny finn finny finn is basically naked freezing in prison waiting to die the next morning filled with grief because he his daughter is dead his wife died in childbirth and then he tried to take over this fortress from the British to, you know, remain sovereign as Scotland. And his daughter was killed in battle. He was captured. He is going to be brutally murdered in front of the public square tomorrow to make an example out of him because he is 
the chief of his um, Scottish clan. Then, a beautiful Alice Fitzroy, Lady of Harkirk, comes to free him because she also wants to escape and get the fuck out of this fortress because her husband is a sadistic sociopath. Mm -hmm. And so she's like, I don't want him. You know, you're just trying to fight for your freedom. I'm trying to get out of here anyway. So what do I lose? Tries to set him free. Then she does. And there's this battle and there's all these complex characters, which I found very confusing for a short novella. I'm, and it's supposed to be like a prequel to the larger thing. So I don't know if you're supposed to read the series and then enjoy this later, but that was my only critique really is that I was like, who are these people? What is this fight? What is going on? So just a lot of action. And then her castle, her fortress ends up being conquered by the Scots and her husband is killed. And she now has no clue what to do because she was married off to this guy to try to build an alliance between her family and this guy. And so now she's like, okay, I can go home and be married off to another sadistic sociopath, or I could, you know, be forever helped by this Finny guy because he's like, I'm forever in your debt. So you freed me. So, um, you know, like, what can I do to help you? And she's like, well, I, I can't stay here because I'm going to be sent back to my dad. So can I come with you? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. And then she's like, okay, just one sec. I want to make sure that everyone else has been freed and then pulls out this young girl. And he's like, my baby. And doesn't, doesn't realize that she had saved his daughter and like shaved her head and put her in boys clothes and made her just like do tasks in the barns basically to keep her alive not realizing it was his daughter who (laughs) i was gonna say son daughter i guess because she was gender non-conforming it was very confusing time but uh so now he's like oh my god you set me free and you kept my daughter alive like i will do anything for you i will fight for you to the death and she's like great can we just hang out here for a couple days? You are brutally wounded and you need to be better before we get out of here. We probably have a couple days before the British back home realize that the fortress has been burnt. So of course, what does she do? She tends to his wounds, which is obviously a very sensual experience in 1306. Falls asleep (laughs) beside him. Falls asleep beside him. He's like dreaming and starts feeling her up. Finger bangs her. She's never had an orgasm in her life. But then he goes, Jillian. And that's not her name. (gasps) So she's like, oh, shit. What the fuck? She's mortified. She's like, I just let some man who's not my husband finger bang me. I just enjoyed sex, which is so scandalous. I am a lady. It's 1306. Make better choices. And then he fucking said someone else's name. And he's like, I'm sorry. I was just like, I was in so much pain that I was almost like, I was half asleep. And I thought it was just a dream. And I remember thinking, oh, this woman has fuller breasts than my wife. I'm not sure what's happening. It must be a dream. And his dead wife was his only other partner. So it was his only touchstone of sex. So he was like, sorry, I thought you were my dead ex-wife, but it's cool because I was half asleep. And she's like, okay. <laughs> Cause that tracks again, yeah. 1306 women were simpletons. She's outside getting some air, just trying to collect herself. Cause she's like, who am I? I'm such a hussy now. And then all of a sudden her husband's shitty sidekick comes along and he's like, Ugh there's silver in this fortress. Give it to me. And she's like, I don't know where it is. And even if I did, I wouldn't give it to you. And he's like, I'm going to tell everyone that you partnered up with the Scots, committed treason and had your husband killed. And she's like, you piece of shit. And he's like, come back tomorrow and I'm going to take that silver or I'm going to have you charged and hanged in the town square. Obviously that doesn't happen. 
action, action, action. The daughter actually knows where the silver is hidden, uses that, does some leverage, does a whole thing. She ends up going back to England to see her dad and basically beg him to cut her loose. And he's like, fuck it. You're an embarrassment to this family. You're dead to me as far as I'm concerned. And she's like, okay. And then she goes off to uh, continue living in Scotland with Finney and his daughter and they bang a rang and have a time. The end. Oh yay! Right. What happened? What happened to the to the um, uh, sidekick? Oh, he just he got a silver and was like, "Hey, bye. I'm cool." Oh, well, they uh, gave it to him. Okay. Yeah, they gave it to him, and they had like a fight and shit and whatever. Again, there was a lot of, um, which again is quite common with that time period in terms of fiction, where there's like Anna Karina style, where there's like 400 fucking characters. Yeah. Uh, so there was a lot of like, this person from this clan did this. And I was just kind of like glazed over for those parts. But I think if I had read the whole series, I might've had a better understanding. So that is my suggestion to folks, because I would recommend this book, Renee. I really okay. would. I really would. First of all, it's like $2 on the Kobo store. So it's worth trying. It's like 60 pages. So it's a good little dip your toe in. There was a couple like typos, but the writing itself was very strong. Um, and so, oh my God, so spicy. Yeah. So spicy. Yeah. And also incredibly consensual, which I loved because again, it's 1306. And this dude just like knows his way around a woman's butt. And I am here for it. In terms of general descriptions, we had a lot of manhood, girlhood, uh, uh, womanhood, uh warm folds a lot of uh there's no like cock and pussy which again is pretty common for that kind of historical romance um but yeah i'm gonna give it five out of five bangers because it was spicy so yeah bangers and mash all day long to finney and alice just smashing and just like at no point renee you will love this at no point does she stick his dick in her mouth not once she barely Bravo. gives him a hand job. Yeah, he's just constantly going down on her, finger banging her, going down on her, taking his sweet ass time. And then when she's like, I don't want to be sweet anymore, bangs her heart. Like just mwah, everything we love to see. Love it. <sighs> no mentions of kilts. I no. will hold back my rage about that, but that's me. That was me and my book. Um, Craving the Highlander's Touch, which I highly recommend. What did you read this week? What did you pull off your shelf, Renee? So like I said, I have three books, one of which is Outlander. Um, One that I didn't read because the gentleman in the story was actually an Englishman, but it was set in the Highlands. Um, And then the book that I read, which is called Forbidden. And it's by Elizabeth Lowell. Now, before I go into anything, Julia, the reason there were no kilts mentioned in your book is because kilts weren't really a thing till the 16th century. Oh! And I found that out at the beginning of one of my other books where the author was like, listen, I get a lot of heat for there not being any kilts in my books, but let me be clear. It's because they're true to like true to the time. So that's what I know about kilts. Oh, Um, yeah. So before that, um, I did my research. Yeah, they would have dressed more like uh, Mel Gibson in Braveheart. But didn't he have a kilt? He had a skirt. It was a tunic. He had a tunic. Okay, because I feel like there's a part where he moons somebody. Yes, but in his like battle gear, it was like leathery and like oh, wool yeah, and yeah, tunicky. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so they wore tunics before the 16th okay. century, and then they started wearing kilts because that's when tartans were invented. Um, and then they turned them into kilts. But there's no like 
formal recognition of them being a fashion until the 1700s. So that is thank you for that. The more you know moment. Also, mm-hmm. I was so aghast that I literally went ooh with my hands because that's how I roll, and I literally just punched a curler out of my hair. <laughs> Which is the sound you heard of it falling and hitting the ground. And because my floor is so uneven in my house, it just rolled down to the other end of my (laughs) office. But just know that that's how excited I was by that hot fact. So thank you for that. (laughs) You're so welcome. Um, So Elizabeth Lowell is actually the pen name of Anne Maxwell. Anne Maxwell um, is also known as A.E. Maxwell um, and Lowell Charters and Annalise Sun. <clears throat> so she um, has over 50 books to her name. Uh, she was married. She was married to um, an LA Times journalist who did international crime reporting. But she was at home all the time. And she was bored, and she's like, "I've read every single science fiction book in our library and in this shit ass town, so I'm going to write my own book." And so she started writing science fiction, and then from there she started writing crime stories, and she just kind of kept spreading her wings into the literary world she wrote some books with her husband and then some of her crime books have a woman's name on it because the publishers were like this would sell better with a woman's name but her husband you know helped her write them and just like yeah prolific career writing books uh she stopped writing romance books but she has quite a few of them um she has crime romance she has sci-fi romance and she has historical romance so um i read forbidden which is part of like three books of her historical romance series, but they're not like, they're not sequels to each other or anything. Um, and my book, this is the first real, um, like eighties, nineties, um, romance book that I've read, like, as we know it. Um, and I say that because I bought it for the cover, as you know, I do. (laughs) Yes. But what's neat about my cover is it's actually the back of the book that features the whole back of the cover is like a woman and a man and they're painted and they're all like in this sensual moment. Um, now it's, it's based kind of in the same time as, as yours. Um, but in the picture in the back and I'll post a picture for reader or for listeners, it's like they're a man and a woman and the man has a big mustache and a mullet and they're Ooh. on like satin sheets and like with cushions everywhere. And she's in this like satiny negligee thing, like ruched at the shoulders. Very, and like it's all like bright pink and blue. Very, very 90s, but like definitely not what you would find in the Scottish Highlands in the medieval era. <laughs> So um, I will absolutely post a picture of that. Some of the other back covers from some of her books, they obviously modeled, um, like painted the man by, based on Fabio. And then I have another one that's very obviously um, Dustin. Or, if you oh were going to say Dustin Hoff. Diamond, I was going to no. fucking the Hoff. myself. The Hoff. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's yeah. fair. David Hasselhoff. Yeah. Hasselhoff. Yeah. There you go. Um, so really neat. And I really, really enjoyed this read. Um, like yours, a million characters. So I'm going to do my best. This book was written in 1993. So here we go. This is a story, Julie, about destiny, magic, prophecy, and edging. Literally, all they, I mean, they fuck in this book, but it's a lot of edging. Mm. And I'll tell you why. So, our protagonist is Amber the Untouched. Amber is a witch or a learned woman. 
Um, and she lives under the care of Eric. And Eric is like the son of Robert somebody. Now, it's not like the Robert, like the Scotland Robert, but it's 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 a big guy. So Eric is also a learned man. They grew up together and they were trained by this like witchy woman named Cassandra, who's like the leader of the learned people. Um, and Amber has no name. Amber is just like a name that they kind of gave her because she had an Amber pendant when she was a baby. And she also came with a prophecy. And her prophecy is that one day she will meet a dark, nameless man who will be her soulmate and her enemy. And if she gives herself over to him, mind, body, and soul, there's going to be a lot of death. That's all she knows. And because she came with this prophecy, she came with this piece of Amber. Everything that is Amber belongs to her. So if, if like nobody else would have any Amber in this part of the Highlands because it belongs to Amber. It's weird, but stay with me here. So she's also cursed. Of course she is. <laughs> she's cursed. So because she's Amber the Untouched, what that means is one of her powers is scrying. And scrying is when she can touch people and she, she can know their feelings. She can know if they're lying or telling the truth and she can uh, kind of see what's going on through their minds. So if they're having memories, things like that. But if she touches people or is touched by people, she experiences intense, incredible pain. Like she's on fire. So she can't ever be touched. Um, and touching her is forbidden. So she's Amber the untouched, Amber the forbidden. Here we go. Yeah. Are you with me? I'm okay. with you. I'm settled okay. up. Even my cat is here. I don't know if you can hear her purring, but Zoe is into it. Okay. So she lives on um, Eric's land. Eric, who is the son of this Scottish royalty guy. Now he lords over an area called Seaholm and Stone Ring Keep. And one day Eric finds this dude naked and passed out in a sacred circle in the Stone Ring. And he was hit by lightning. So he's completely naked, except he's wearing an amber pendant. So because all things... Amber belonged to Amber. He brings him to Amber and he also brings her to him to Amber because Amber can touch him and find out if he's a friend or a foe. And he obviously needs to know if he's a foe because he's defending this land constantly because that's what was going on in this time period is like wars between the Scottish wars between the English constantly trying to like take over that land. If you read any sort of historical fiction of that era or any sort of romantic historical fiction it's all going to be related to war because that's what it all is right mm -hmm. so um eric is trying to gather um warriors to help him defend his land because he's defending it from the english king but he's also defending it from people who work for the english king this one guy called dominic le saber and his um like right hand man whose name is duncan maxwell and he's known as the Scottish hammer because he's this big fucking guy who uses a hammer in battle instead of like a sword. So very like Thor. Yeah, I was going to say, Thor. I'm getting some Thor vibes. Yeah. And he's he's bigger than the average Scotsman. Um, so he wants to keep this guy as a warrior. He wants to have him pledge fealty to him, but he needs to know if he's a friend or foe. So he tells Amber, please like use your power. Now, Amber immediately recognizes that this man is hot. Like he's 
fucking hot, and she especially likes his bushy chest hair and his mustache. <laughs> so she's going to check him out. Um, he's passed out. He's in a coma because he was hit by fucking lightning. Of course he was. Yeah. And so she braces herself to touch him and be in pain. But what happens is she's actually in intense pleasure instead. And she's just like, okay, well, I'm into this, um, but I need to know why I can touch him without being in pain. And because he came with Amber on his body, she's like, well, this man is obviously mine. Um, So, Eric, I'm going to keep him here. I'm going to help coax him out of his coma and we're going to figure shit out. So the man wakes up and he's immediately into Amber because she is also fucking hot. And the problem here, though, is that he has amnesia. He can't remember anything. He doesn't know who he is, his name. He doesn't know who he works for, if he's married. He doesn't know why he was in the stone ring. And he doesn't know if he's a friend or foe to these people either. But what he does know, Julie, is that he has feelings and he feels connected to Amber. And he gets the deep sense that they have fucked before. Uh, they haven't but he gets the sense that they have so because he has no name amber decides to give him one and she calls him duncan which means dark warrior um and as we know there's a bad guy called duncan so she's kind of hoping like i don't know who this guy is i hope he's not him but i don't know who that guy is and duncan is actually really super serious about vows and honor and that's really important to the story So Eric decides, I want to see if this guy is cool. Um, But he's like, first, he's like, Amber, take him back to the stone circle. See if he recovers any memories. And and we'll go from there. So they go to the stone circle and we learn that, like, you know, you can't really enter these sacred places unless you're a witch or like a learned person because like druids and fairies and shit. Um, So they get into there and like they're really digging each other. They are just like. Ooh, I want to eat you up. But Amber's like, listen, I'm Amber the untouched. I, you can't like people can't really touch me and because it hurts. And this is what this means. Like, this is what my power means. And I'm also Amber the forbidden because nobody can ever fuck me because then this prophecy will come true. And Duncan's like, okay, but I'm into this. Like I am here for it. So, you know, she, th- there's like this really electric, uh passion kind of going back and forth between them but she's committed to not fucking this guy and he's like i'm not gonna like take you like i'm a man of honor and i'm not just gonna like fucking rape you like forget about it um so they come back and they're like no memories he didn't really recover anything but he's getting feelings here and there and so eric's like hey duncan i want you to pledge fealty but he's starting to get the sense that duncan is actually duncan maxwell the scottish hammer Then this new guy shows up. His name is Simon. And Eric wants him to be a warrior too. But Simon recognizes Duncan and doesn't say anything because Duncan doesn't recognize him. Um, And Simon, who fucking hates witches, by the way, like hates witches. Um, He's convinced. Yeah. Um, Even though his sister-in-law is a witch, but whatever. Um, Simon's convinced that Duncan is being bewitched by Amber. Because they go way back because Simon is actually Dominic LeSabre's brother. So he knows Duncan really well. And he was actually in the Stone Ring Keep looking for Duncan. But he's playing it cool because he wants to see, like, you know, is Duncan just fucking around? Like, what's the deal? So Eric's like, hey, Duncan and Simon, I want to see you guys fight. Uh, There's a friendly, you know, friendly battle. I just want to see, like, um, what your fighting style is like. And if you're going to be good for my, like, 
army or whatever. And so Simon's like, cool, let's do this. And he uses that opportunity to kind of like throw some words and stuff at him to see if it jogs Duncan's memory. And he realizes that like he's not fighting, like or like he's not faking this memory loss. Um, but he was able to best him in this fight by throwing familiar words and places at him. So he's like, okay, I got to go home and like tell everybody that I found Duncan and like what the fuck is up. And so Eric observing Duncan in this time realizes like, yeah, this is the hammer. I have the hammer here and I need to keep this guy here so I can keep my land because without him, I'm not going to do it. So the sexual tension between Amber and Duncan is huge and everybody knows, like everybody can see it because they are not like trying to even like be conspicuous um, or inconspicuous with like how horny they are for each other. And also people who all know Amber know she can't be touched notice that Duncan can touch her without hurting her. And so everyone's like, oh my God, will they? Won't they? And like Amber's like, we can't fuck. And Duncan's like, cool, but we can do other stuff. So they do other stuff. Um, and they go to like these sacred spaces and like, because like touching her is so pleasurable, they just like touch each other a lot. Um, and he's really into her nipples and she's like, oh, I love it. This is so good. Um, and she's like, I want you to take me. And he's like, I can't. I made a vow. So they're really know each other and everybody knows it. And Eric's like, Hey, he knows that Duncan is the hammer, but doesn't want him to know, but he knows his memory is going to come back anytime now. So he wants Duncan to marry Amber. So he has to stay there. Right. Strategy. Um, but Duncan's like, look, I do want to marry Amber. I love her. Like, or I really like her. I really want to be with her. She's hot as hell. Um, like she's a catch, but I need to recover my memories because I'm a man of honor. I need to know if I'm betrothed or married. Like, I don't want to just, give up on these vows that I may have made before I forgot everything. So Eric knows it's just a matter of time before Duncan and Amber bang. And so Duncan said, or Eric says, listen, Duncan, make me a vow that if you take Amber's maidenhead, her virginity, if you take her maidenhead, then you have to marry her. And Duncan's like, yeah, sure. Because he's convinced they've already fucked. He's convinced she's not a virgin because her sexual energy is like so intense and familiar. So he's like, yeah, no, I can make this promise. Don't worry. Like, she's no virgin. (laughs) Um, But then they fuck. And there's an audible rip, which we know is like a thing in books where there's virgins. Mm -hmm. And he's like, what the fuck? And is like, oh, shit, I have to marry her now because I made this other vow. And he's got all his blood on his dick. And he's like, oh, he's like, if I had known you were really a virgin, I wouldn't have been so passionless with you when I took you for the first time. Like, I would have been, like, more tender and stuff. And she's like, no, no, like, this was good. I was into it. And he's like, no, I hate myself. And she's like, bro, like, chill out. And he's like, no, I hate myself. And so he rushes back to the castle. And he's like, listen, we we got, I fucked her. I, I got to marry her now. And Amber's like, I know Duncan's my soulmate, but I'm actually really worried that he might be the hammer and he's my enemy. And if, and if he's my enemy, then that's part of the prophecy and people are going to die. And I don't want to do that. Um, And Amber doesn't really want to get married just because they fucked. Like she loves him and is like part of him and all that. But she's like, I don't really want to marry him just because he's sad that he, he was, you know, passionless in this, in this entangle that we had. But Eric knows that Duncan is the hammer and it's a matter of time. Right. So he's like, okay, tonight, tonight, you guys are going to get married. Like I'll let everyone know. So he takes Amber aside and he's like, Amber, listen, like Duncan is the hammer. So like, you got to marry him. And she's like, 
no, like, no way. Like, he's your enemy. Like, I don't want to trick him. I don't want to do that. And so Eric's like, well, listen, if you don't, I'm going to hang him. So she's like, fine. So they get married and they bang a lot and they're really, really happy. Meanwhile, Simon's gone back and been like, yo, I know where Duncan is. He's being bewitched by this witch and we got to get his memory back. And so they go over there and they capture Duncan and Amber in a net, which I thought was fun. (laughs) And they, um, they help him get his memory back because the sister-in-law who's a witch was actually Duncan's like childhood friend. So he gets his memory back and he's pissed. He is so angry. He's like super pissed at Amber. He's super pissed at himself because he finds out he was actually betrothed for this like political alliance and this dowry and stuff. And he's just like really pissed. Um, so Dominic, who's like the Lord of this, this keep is like, I can annul your marriage. Like, don't worry about it. Um, but so you can marry this other woman and the other woman's there. And she's just like, could not care less. She's like, I fucking hate all of you. Um, and all she does is play the harp and I love it. Um, but Amber's really upset because she's like, Duncan's my soulmate. And, um, Duncan, who's still really pissed with Amber's like, look, I have to marry this other lady because I made a promise before I married you. Um, but I'm going to keep you as my whore because we fuck good. And she's like, "Mm, I don't love that. But she's like, you know what? You're my soulmate. And, uh, I don't want to do that, but I'm going to stand by my man because she's convinced that her love will fix him. And, uh, so she's living there she's like super unhappy but she's gonna keep trying to like seduce him i'm pretty sure she, i'm pretty sure amber rapes duncan but they don't write it like a rape scene but knowing what i know about consent julie he, she rapes him because he's like no get out of my room i don't want to do this and she's like i don't understand you it's like sticking his dick in her mouth and then she's like okay. he's like fine let's do this i'm into it i now. mean yeah so coercion minimum yeah. mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah um however here we go so eric shows up and he's like oh by the way i just found out that amber's actually my twin sister separated at birth um so if you if you don't keep this marriage going i'm gonna start a war with you and you can't win because you're poor and amber's like trying to seduce duncan and then she realizes you know what i actually can't fix this guy no matter how juicy my pussy is and you know i i just can't I can't be with him because this is never going to change. He's never going to love me. Um, so she runs away and like goes to like magic fairyland. She disappears in there. And then because she's connected to Duncan and she's disappeared now and gone into like another dimension, Duncan goes into like this berserker rage and takes his hammer and like smashes this whole room. And people are like, Oh no, we gotta, we gotta settle him down before he goes out in the village and starts hitting people with his hammer. And I'm like, that feels extreme. But okay. And so Eric's like, hey, listen, like she left her her amber pendant behind. So she's actually going off to die right now. Um, So, Duncan, if you don't go after her with this pendant, you're like, she's going to die. And Duncan's like, I have to save her. I love her. And uh, he's able to, like, get through the magic places where she's hiding because um, of his love for her. And his love saves her, and then they're together, and the land is blessed, and that's the end of the story. Um, yeah, there's no, there's no um, war, which was really like the whole point. Um, loved the book though. I like, I genuinely loved the book. I thought it was cheesy as hell. Like it was, I was imagining it as like a TV show or a movie in my mind, and I was like, this would be the funniest thing I'd ever watch because they're literally just edging each other on for these long, long, long chapters. 
and it is so funny. Oh my God, it's so funny. Um, I'm gonna give it a five out of five, uh, I don't know, tomato beans on toast, I guess. Like it was, it was very spicy. It was very spicy and it was extremely well written. It's like a legit novel. It was about 400 pages um, and I inhaled it. I loved it. I would definitely recommend it if you can get past, if you can accept that it, like it was written in the early 90s and that like the, the beliefs around sexuality were very different then. Um, the sex scenes were good. Like, you know, there there's always edging like forever because she's like, her whole thing is being touched. Right. So that's the whole sexual contact for her is like touch. So that's really all of the, the encounters they have are really based around that. Um, she does suck his dick, um, mm. but he's like, he's like, I've never known the mouth of a woman like that. So I'm like, Oh, so she could have really been shitty at it. And he never would have known. <laughs> um, he does say he's going to eat her pussy. Um, I think he kind of like licks it. Cause at one point, he's like biting her clit. And I was like, don't do that. Yeah. Like, like obviously um, Elizabeth Lowell has never had her <laughs> pussy ate because you would know then that biting a clitoris, having your clitoris bitten, not a good feeling. No, no, no it's a hard no on that one. Yeah. So anyway, it was really good. I'm actually not going to read um, a passage today. Instead, I'm just going to read you some of my favorite things where they mentioned that he's male. Oh, okay. I love this. That, not only was like, were, was there a lot of attention paid to his mustache in this story, which <laughs> I don't think was a traditional uh, facial hair thing um, in the Highlands, but also the fact that he was male was a really big thing. So I'm going to read some of my, my favorite ones here because they're hilarious. And then I'm going to hand it over to you. Awesome. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. So his face is strongly male. He savored his maleness. The smile was nakedly male. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when Amber started to speak, he talked over her, which I thought was pretty male. Um, the first time... Yeah. The first time they started getting into it, it was on page 69. Um, the warmth and sheer maleness of him swept through her. <laughs> One of Amber's fingertips brushed over a male nipple. When Not quiet, a female nipple. A male no, nipple. A male nipple. Uh, when quiet was restored, Eric gave Duncan a look of masculine sympathy. <laughs> Paint a picture, will you? Yeah. <laughs> Duncan's Duncan's torrential male hunger. Ooh. Yet it was a love that held no sexual desire, despite Amber's beauty um, and Eric's forthright masculinity. Um, I... I can feel the sword emerging from its sheath, but I can sense your, you feeling your own maleness sweep through you. Oh uh, yeah. He was fully aroused, overwhelmingly male. <laughs> yeah. And she had removed herself. Uh, oh, she has removed herself from your masculine equations of pride, power, and death. And uh, that that was the book. It was just I I thought that was pretty funny. I, I can't read any passage because it's honestly like a soap opera where it's like she was horny, <laughs> but then it's like she felt a million feelings and talked about those feelings for a really long time, <laughs> and then she licked his male nipple. Like that's 
Um, one point she was like gushing wetness. Like he went down, like downstairs to kind of check her out. And it was like gushing wetness into his hand. And I'm like, what is that? What is that? What does that look like? Does, what is no that? one gushes from just having their pussy looked at though. I mean, I mean, maybe you would if you had magic skin. Oh, yeah, maybe. Right? Good call. Good call. Yeah. So I actually really enjoyed the book. I did. And I loved all the references to his maleness, but very <laughs> few references to femininity. I, it wasn't really a, a, a plot driver, but the maleness was important. So I'm eager to actually read the other books. I have to see if maleness is <laughs> a thing in the book. I really am curious. So I hope we can find another uh, thing to read that I can put one of these uh, Elizabeth Lowell books. Oh my, my God. Yeah. hundred percent. I need to know if this is like a theme. She's I like, just so. so you know, this is very straight romance. We want you to know these are heterosexual people. This is yeah. a man. That's so funny. Um, yeah. And he, I will send you a picture after we're done recording so you can see how manly he is. But <laughs> well, and as I, always listeners head to our socials, Twitter mm-hmm. and Instagram to see covers because oftentimes they are, I mean, there's a reason why Renee chooses books based on the cover a hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent because some of these are legit works of art. Some of them are absolutely just like toot toot riding the hot mess express. This, <laughs> this week for me, my cover is pretty, pretty cheesy. Um, it's a man in a, I would say before this conversation, I would have said a kilt, but this appears to be more of what was in Highlander. Oh, sorry. In, um, Braveheart. So it's okay. like a kilty kind of a thing with like a sash um, he's holding a sword. You can only see the lower half of his face and there's long flowing hair and then some, you know, mountains behind him. Uh, so real Scottish Highlands. Um, do I try to do accents? You know what? That's part of the reason I read the maleness too. So I cannot do a brogue to save my life. So oh, you, you I just like, we're under no obligation. I can't. I'm just like Scottish. I can't do it. <laughs> it ends up being like Irish mixed with Scottish. But I mean, I'm also the person that Googles, is this person Australian or British? Because sometimes I can't even tell the difference between those two. So clearly I don't have an ear for music or for accents. So, um, okay. So this is a part where they are in bed and they haven't fucked, but there's clearly some tension, but they're like having a little bit of a chat. Okay. Um, so remembering Finian is Scottish and Alice is British and they are <laughs> her husband is dead which he was all about killing her husband but then he um is like oh fuck now this woman is stuck here and has no kinship has no one to protect her um okay do you grieve for your husband she took a deep breath and met his gaze squarely no i'm glad he's gone finian held still his gray eyes searching hers then he leaned in his mouth resting a breath above hers do you want me to leave From deep inside, heat flooded through her body. She remembered the touch of his hands upon her skin, the way his body had nestled against hers while he caressed her intimately. And in his eyes right now, she saw the burning need that echoed her own. She lifted her face to him. I should ask you to go. Winding her arms around his neck, she added, But I don't want to be alone. Finian turned her to face the bed, drawing both arms around her. He was giving her time to think clearly, time to send him away. I was married to Robert when I was 16, she murmured. Hardly more than a child. Her gaze moved over to the bed and her heart hardened at the sight of it. I was nothing to him. Inside, she felt the anger take root and grow. I was miserable as his wife. It was his fault, not yours. Embarrassment grew from deep inside her, but she wanted him to know the truth. 
The only time I ever felt any pleasure in that bed was when you touched me there the other night. Even if he had called her by his wife's name, she knew he'd been dreaming and his mind caught up uh, his mind caught up in the spell between them. What do you want from me, Lady Harkirk? He whispered, moving his hands to the bare skin of her nape. Don't call me by his name, she urged. I am Lady Harkirk no longer, only Alice. Alice, he repeated. <laughs> his, hands, his hands massaged the nape of her neck, moving down her braid until he unraveled it. He spread the long strands through his hands and asked, Do you want me to leave you untouched? The very thought of bearing herself to this man, of letting him openly touch her, made her vulnerable. I don't know, she whispered. It frightens me. What you make me feel inside? His hands still the blood of her body. <laughs> ah, and she knew that his honor would keep him from touching her. One word, and he would leave her alone. Her eyes moved back to the bed, and she worried about whether or not he would find her wanting. For so long, she tried to atone for her husband's crimes, living her life to save those that she could. If she took Finian Maclacker, I can't... <laughs> Malashush, or whatever the fuck his name is, into her bed. It meant the ultimate act of defiance against her husband. Though they were wed no longer, his spirit taunted her. I want you to stay, she admitted, and drive out the bad memories. You're certain about this? Her answer was to loosen her gown, raising her arms and lifting it away. Finian knelt at her feet, taking her shift in his hands. He lifted it slowly, using his knuckles to caress the softness of her skin as he bared her nudity. When I'm through with you, he whispered against the flesh of her stomach. You ought to remember a single thing of your marriage. What the fuck? <laughs> That's every Harry Potter character in one. <laughs> she stood naked before him and he removed his own clothing. His body was solid muscle, firm and sun darkened, but she worried about the wounds he'd suffered. Will it hurt you? She asked, her fingers lightly t- tracing the lash marks upon his back. There'll be no pain in it. Not for you and most definitely not for me. He picked her up in his arms and later... <laughs> And later upon the linen sheets of the bed. But there's something I must ask of you. She looked into his gray eyes, waiting. He sat beside her, moving his hand down her throat toward the curve of her breast. Tell me if anything I do feels good to you. And if it does, she whispered. I'm going to do it again until you're begging me to join my body with yours. Laughing. Oh, that was so good. Oh my god, Julie. That was born from my deep, deep love of you and my desire to make you laugh and truly throwing my ego aside because, I mean, I say it and people think I'm being modest. Truly, no one does a worse accent than I do. And it's embarrassing because my mother is a phen- like literally an award-winning actress who can do incredible impersonations and I can't even do a fucking Scottish accent. Yo, you did. That was great. It was great. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I cannot roll my R's, so I just sound like Russian and not even good Russian. You know who does a great Russian accent? Who? My eldest daughter, Elliot. Oh, really? She didn't even realize she was doing it. She was just doing this funny voice. And I was like, how did you learn to do that? She's like, what? I was like, that Russian accent. She's like, what's a Russian? I was like, <laughs> the voice you're doing. And she's like, I don't know. <laughs> she says, how she she's, like, she's like, hello, my name is Vanya. Because I told her Vanya is a Russian name. She's like, hello, hello, all the time. It's so funny. It's so Funny, I'm going to get her to say Ravage Love as a Russian person. Oh my god, please fucking do. So Why has this not been in my life? It's the best, oh. and I'm so proud of her. I mean, oh. as you absolutely should be. I mean, that is a child that is exceptionally well-raised. That's my legacy. And absolutely. 100%. Vanya. Um, before we let the kids go this week, what are we reading next episode, Renee? We are coming back with a bang. We're coming back we with Highlander episode one, number two. 
what's coming next week? We're doing something totally new, totally fresh, totally great. We're actually going to read the classics. We're going to read authors that made the genre. And we are starting with none other than Madame Danielle Steele. Fuck yes. Danielle Steele is iconic, legendary, unstoppable, prolific. She is a bougie bitch. She is extremely vain. She has way more children than you would ever think she had. Mm -hmm. She, oh my God, I am so excited because I, my mother was into romance back in the day at their height in the 80s. She read Danielle Steele. She loved that shit. Um, Like, I am so excited to kick it old school and read a Danielle Steele because I mean, she, she's an icon. She's an icon. She is absolutely um, clutch to this whole genre. So yeah, we're going to be delving into um, not every episode, but we're definitely going to be doing more kind of classics. We're both going to read the same classic author and dive deep into their wackadoodle existences. And next week is Danielle Steele, baby. So you are not going to want to miss it. Absolutely not. Um, This is your time to learn and be learned you need to know you need yeah. to know and as we said at the top you want to be following us on twitter and instagram one because uh renee manages our instagram and it is hilarious so do that but Thank two so because not only do we post the covers every week because it's danielle Steele, and she has a different author photo for every one of her fucking books you are gonna want to go to the gram next week to see not only the cover but the fucking author photos that this oh woman God. commissions for each yeah. one of her books they are almost better than the front cover front covers of hers are pretty like boring actually yeah. uh but those author photos whoo! you turn that shit around and you're like <laughs> o-m-g exactly yeah. so tune in next week oh it's um finian mclocker <laughs> did you look it up i looked it up it's mclocker <laughs> You're okay, welcome. but like that's a fucking mouthful, right? Yeah, in French, but like macaron. That's why I'm like, like I'm like uh, macaron. See, like yeah. I don't know how to fucking say this guy's name. It's too many for me. So, yeah. uh, thank you for confirming that I'm not just so illiterate. No, it's not you. It's the Scottish. <laughs> so, Julie, uh, I've missed this so much, and I'm so sorry we have to go, but we gotta go. So, do you want to sing us out? I sure do. Welcome back, friends. Ravage love. Ravage love. Thank you. 500 miles I would walk. (laughs) For you, Julie. (laughs) I forgot about that. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Bye. Artwork for the podcast was created by Karen McKnight. Special thanks to Press Start to Join for production assistance. For gaming and tech news, search Press Start to Join or on social media at PS the number two J Show. Connect with us online at Ravage Love on Instagram and by email at ravagelove.podcast at gmail.com. Ravage Love.